Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. That is who you are. Hey, That is who Jesus is. One more time, everybody. Proclaim with boldness. Wayne, make a miracle walk. Promise, keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Say with me, say in Jesus' name. I want everybody to say that. Say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe in my heart and declare with my mouth Jesus is Lord over my life I am submitted under the Lordship of the name of Jesus and in that name I reign in life in the name of Jesus I reign over Satan I reign over demons I reign over sickness. I reign over disease. I reign over curses. I reign over poverty. I reign over dear death. I am no longer under the bondage of the fear of death. I do not have the spirit of fear. I have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I reign through that name. I say, hear the word of God today. Grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of my understanding receive illumination so I will know what is the expectation of his calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saint, and the exceeding greatness Everybody say it. The exceeding greatness of his power that he has made available to me. Fill me with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let my mind be renewed. Let my heart be transformed. In Jesus name. Amen. Please have your seat. Glory to God. As you are seated, turn to someone on the left. On your right, say to the person, Jesus loves you. He asked me to tell you that he has a word for you today. Are you in church this morning? Are you here? Tell the person, are you here? Are you joyful? Are you joyful? So tell, say, give me a smile. Give me a smile. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you excited this morning? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Everything that makes for our joy is on, is, is, is on full gear. That's Christ. He's still seated on the throne. Amen. If nobody can dethrone him, nothing can stop your joy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everything God has given to us is coming from a place of security. If nothing can move God, nothing will move your joy. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, we are looking at stages of preparation in the life of faith. Say amen. Say stages of preparation in the life of faith. We have said that God has called the believer to live a faith life. Is that not so? Is that not so? The just shall live by Amen. He said, if anybody turn back my soul, we have no pleasure. And the scripture tells us the importance of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that means there is no alternative to faith. 
Hallelujah. We walk by faith and not by sight. Sight means senses. We don't walk by our senses. We walk by what? By faith. Hallelujah. And we said our faith life affords us two powerful privileges. One, to fight the good fight of faith. Is that not so? Is that not so? Good. The food, and, and we said everybody's fighting. Fight. You fought before you came. You fight while you're in the service and you're going to fight when you leave. And we fight that good fight of faith through our confession. Confession is not confessing sin. It is saying what God has said about us. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, what? I, and what? If you know it, you will say it too. The Lord is what? And I will not fear what man can do unto me. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. You keep declaring what he has said. You don't keep quiet. Believers who don't talk are people that, are, that will lose. They will concede ground. We've been born into a relationship that talks. Christianity is a talking thing. Do you understand that? We talk in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. We keep saying what he has said. There's nothing like I'm a quiet Christian that you don't know who a Christian is. A Christian is a talkative. He keeps saying what God has said. Did you hear what I said? Are you listening? What he said you should be swift to be slow to speak is your own. Did you hear what I said? Your own opinion. But you should be swift to speak the word of God. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. And number two, our faith life affords us. Are you paying attention? No discussing, no talking. Our faith life affords us the opportunity to ascend the ladder of what? Greatness that has been offered to us in Christ. Greatness has been offered to all believers. But not everybody will manifest greatness. Why? Because of two factors. Their choice and their faith. That's why we're looking at what are those preparations we should engage that will energize our faith to manifest the greatness that God has given to us. If you do not manifest greatness, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. So you need to be aware. What are those stages? You need to understand them. Because God says, the only thing stopping my children is lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Because they don't know. They think they know, but they don't know. They assume. See? They think they know. They assume they know, but they don't know. So when it comes to knowledge, always have a student approach. Nobody knows everything. Knowing is a lifetime thing. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I said? When it comes to knowledge, always be like a child, willing to learn. The day you think you are matured and you don't need to learn, that's the day you start falling. Hallelujah. Alright, so what are those stages of preparation? We started with the first one. Say with me, say the preparation of the study of the word. I want everybody to say that again. What is the first preparation we must engage if our faith will be energized, empowered to fight the good fight of faith and ascend the ladder of greatness? The preparation of what? The study of the word. I have laid some foundation on that. And I said the study of the word is foundational to the faith life. If you are not a believer that studies the word, your faith will be shaky. In fact, it will be crippled. Not because your faith is crippled in itself, but the manifestation of your faith will be what? Crippled. Because your heart will not be ready to manifest the full dimensions of faith. And you cannot do exploit without faith. So, and I also said in the first service that study of the word is not for preachers or pastors. That is the mistake some of us used to make those days. Say, study. Hey, isn't a pastor now? No, 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 they read Bible like that now. We just read that small. Just take small, small. So you don't, they look for small devotional. That will be two paragraphs. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for today. You can't live on that too. I hope you know that. You must go beyond that. Did you hear what I said? You must do what? You must go beyond that. Studying the word of God is foundational. And we said that the reason why many believers are very light in their quoting and speaking of the word, very light, very, it lacks context, no conviction, no depth, is because they don't study the word. When you do not study the word, you're going to be shallow in your faith. 
your persuasion in God will be very weak. Your conviction in God will be very weak. When situations come, when you are praying, you are crying as you are praying because you are not even sure whether your prayer will work. You're not sure. But in the name of Jesus, hey Jesus, hey God, oh Father, in Jesus' name, go now. Oh, where is he not going now? Oh God, Jesus. Hey, Pastor, Pastor, maybe my line is not going. Pastor, Pastor I've heard that one several times. People have called me at all times. Pastor, I will just, what is it? What is it? What is it? Why are they calling me? Because they have more confidence in my faith in God. But you can have confidence in your faith. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? You can. Because your faith is designed by God not to fail. But the reason you are not engaging that virtue of faith is because your study life is weak. And we said the word study. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Everybody go there. We said the word, Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. So the focus of study is God. Hello? What does it mean to approve? It means to to prove yourself worthy to take what belongs to you. God says, I've given you everything. So you want it? He said, then come, study it. When you study, you are saying, God, I am ready to take what belongs to me. That's what your study says. Not all this light, light, you know, light, let's just come, listen to the word of God like a tradition. You ever see them, you're doing like this. Amen. 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 Uh, then you not small, give me some football. I head back at you. You head back to me again. The service closed. They have fun. All day. Collect some more granite here and there. We'll see you next day. You won't go far with that kind of lifestyle. Oh. Are you listening to me? You will not go far. And I'm warning all my leaders too. Don't hide behind leadership. Oh. This is, we study for life. Say when we say study is for living. You're not just talking fine words. No grammar. Knowing the word is not grammar. How many of you know that? There are guys who don't speak good English like you. But their depth in the word, when they have faith, people will get healed. Because there is a connection that they've built with the word. That when they say it, life comes out. That you are speaking. You know the grammar. You know the Greek. You know everything. You are just speaking English. And it's not entry. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 2.15, King James says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman, tell your neighbor, say, I am a workman. Say, I'm a workman for God. So your first assignment as a workman for God is to do what? Study. And I said you can tell by the way people listening to the word of God if they study the scripture. If you are a weak reader of the Bible, weak, your study life is weak, your the way you listen to the word of God, it will show. You will not be too connected to the word. You will be surviving messages, not receiving it. You just come to church. I hope you're not going to preach past one hour today. That's how your mind will be working. Because your attachment to the word is weak. Alright? Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs. God says, if you're going to fulfill your role as a workman for me, your depth in the word must be rich. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let it dwell richly. And it begins with study. Now, we said, many are denying Christ today through their worries, their cares, and the challenges of life because their depth in Christ is weak. That's why when they go through situations, they panic. They are surface hearers of the word. They come to church to hear the word as a religious tradition and not for change. Those who study the word are hungry hearers of the word. Hungry. They hear the word with the intent to do what they are hearing. Are you listening to what I'm saying? They put away any distraction when they come to church. If they have to turn off their phone, they turn it off. If they have to put it off, they put it off. They are focused. They tell me, don't call me. I'm in church. When I'm in church, don't call me. Don't send any message to me because I will not answer you. I am going to study for life. Because the un one of things you will understand that as part of your study life, hearing the preached word is part, an active part of a believer that studies the word. All these games that is playing with some of us believers. Because we don't study. Even when you quote scripture, you, don't, you join two scriptures and you don't know where it is. 
How did Jesus answer Satan? It is written. It is what? Written. He understood the word to the point that when Satan wanted to twist it, he said, don't tempt the Lord your God. He used the scripture to counter Satan's attempt to twist the Bible. That's how Jesus wants us to function. Not this light surface pinch of a sort approach to the world. What's so light? No hunger. By the time you listen to the word of God, 15 minutes, you are tired. Yeah, in fact, the way you'll be doing, uh, you can't. See, like, don't do me, you run this thing. Oh. Hear me? Those who study the word are hungry, yes, so they hear the word with the intent to do what they are hearing so they can partake in the benefit being offered to them through the knowledge. So what does it mean to study? We said it's from a Greek word called spudazo, S-P-O-U-D-A-Z-O. It's a verb, it's an action word that means to exert oneself. And we said to exert means to commit physical and mental energy to understudy something. So when you study something, it becomes a focus. Is that not so? Is that not so? You only study what you focus on. And I use the apprenticeship for instance. If you want to learn a business and, and you, they totally tell you to go and stay with someone to understudy, part of your focus there is not to look at the phone of the person. And to look at the clothes they are wearing to work every day. Your job is to learn. If you are looking at the clothes, yes, if you see my madam, he phone at the latest Samsung. You are a mumu. You don't know what you are doing there. Mom, latest Samsung phone. If you see the clothes in wear last or yesterday when he come work, in fact, if they change their clothes every day, you are looking and studying the wrong thing. You will not succeed. Because your focus is wrong. When you study the word, the word becomes your focus. Your consistent focus. Say amen. And we said there are different phases of study. The first one is what? Reading. Everybody say reading. reading. If you're going to be a study, someone who studied the word, you must be a reader of the word. Hallelujah. Alright, the first phase of study begins with reading. All study begins with what? Reading. And we said reading is where familiarity with the scripture begins. You have to read the scripture. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Paul telling Timothy, Until I come, give attention to what? Reading. Reading. There is no way you will know if you don't read. You are not going to know the scripture if all you know is from what the pastor says. You have to read it for yourself. You know what the Bible says about some Christians? It says, they search the scripture to find out if what Paul said was as it says. And for them to search, they have to read. Are you still with me? If, if we have that kind of attitude today, we're going to be flying in faith. Pastors don't read their Bible anymore. The only time they pick their Bible is when they want to preach. So when you see them preaching, there's no depth. They'll be jamming scriptures anyhow, shouting and screaming and making ridiculous statements. Why is reading essential? Because it is where familiarity with the scripture begins. Got to read. You've got to read. That's one of the habits we're trying to teach our children. You have to be a reader. Because if you don't read, you'll be an illiterate. People who know what you don't know will take advantage of you because you don't know. One of the reasons people uh, don't know, they don't know their rights. I mean, once you don't know their rights, they can deal with you. A policeman will tell you what does not exist in the law. But if you know, you can quote something from the Lord. Some of them don't know it's there, but you know it. Hallelujah. One stopped me one day when I was going for, then my dad just died. All my papers, because I don't drive a car without my complete papers. Everything is complete. So he stopped, checked everything, looked at me. He said, I should give him money. I said, why? He said, I want to use to buy fuel. I said, fuel for your car. Is it me that will fuel your car? He said, hey, okay, that he will show me. I said, you will show me. He said, yes. In my mind, I said, five kobo, you will not see today. So I stood there. He said, the paper that I used to apply to road safety for my number, I should show it. And I asked him, is that part of the law? He said, am I teaching you my job? I said, I'm asking you a question. He said, is it part? Yeah. He said, I should stay there. I said, no problem, I stood there. I didn't move. He went to was stopping. He said, he will show me. He will call vehicles to say this. I said, show me now if he's there. 
After a while, I think his August saw me. You know, noticed me. I was, you know, I was fully cassock that time. I was wearing my cassock. He said, ah, Augusta, please, I'm sorry, sir. Please, you can go. He said, what is wrong with you? Why are you only the reverend? Please, sir, please go. We don't want trouble. Go, 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 go. Entered my car and I left. If you don't know you're right, they'll mess you up. That's the truth. If you don't. That's how life is. If your study life is weak, you will not know you're right in Christ. So the enemy will take advantage of you. The things you are supposed to reject, you accommodate them. They will settle in your life. Things that should not be messing around with you, you will sit with them. You will make room for them. Reading is a shame because it's where the familiarity with the scripture begins. God instituted a practice of publicly reading the scripture in the synagogue. So when you go, you read. They read it so people can get familiar with it. The Jews and the early church practice reading the scriptures privately and publicly. God instructed Moses to tell the children of Israel, put the word on the lintel of your house so that you and your children will remember it. Because the more you reread and expose, I mean you are exposed to reading it, the more you become familiar with what it says. Acts 14:15 says, after the usual reading of the book of Moses and the prophet, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. A pastor said, if you open your Bible one day, turn to the book of Mark chapter 17, verse... Uh, everybody open their Bible. They say, look They say, look can, can you open your Bible? Everybody turn to Mark 17. Some of you are opening your Bible. That means you don't read your Bible because there's no Mark 17. But if th that's what happens when you are illiterate when it comes to the Bible. They will quote what is not there for you. Said according to the Bible, heaven help those who help themselves. You say amen. Is that in the Bible? Is it in the Bible? Heaven help those who help themselves. What are you saying amen to? You have been an illiterate. All right. The first phase of study is reading. Let's go to the second stage of study. Write this down. Seeking to understand what is being read. Many of us only stop at the reading phase. There is no hunger to press beyond reading. Why am I reading? I'm reading because I want to what? Understand. Many of you think because it only applies to your stook or your, your, your study or your exam or academics. No. In scripture, it's the same thing. <coughs> beyond reading, you must press to seek to understand what you are reading. How many of you remember what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch? when he was reading Isaiah 53 and the Spirit of God sent Philip to meet him. And he says, go and, and get yourself close to the chariot. And he heard him reading loud Isaiah 53. And he was reading it, and he was reading it, and he was reading it. Let, let me show you that. Go to Acts chapter 8. I don't want to quote that. I want you to see that. Hallelujah. I think it's Acts chapter 8, I believe. No, no, not Acts chapter 8. Um, Acts chapter, yes, 8. Acts chapter 8, I'm right. Go to Acts chapter 8. <coughs> From verse 29. Acts 8 verse 29. Beyond reading, seek to understand. Beyond hearing, many of you don't want to understand what you are hearing. It's a bad habit many of us has formed. We just read. Uh, so what we all do? We all gloss through the Bible. We can even sleep on itself. None of us seek to understand. Tell the number. Say the quest to understand is a choice. Say say the, say when we say the quest to understand is a choice. Okay, look at verse twenty nine. Acts eight twenty nine. Are you there? What did he say? Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and do what and join yourself. To this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah. And what did he say to him? Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? That's the next phase of study. The whole essence of becoming familiar with scripture is so you can understand scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say with me, say understand scripture. 
Another important step in studying the word is seeking to understand what you're reading. There must be a desire to understand it. Go to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. We've seen a, 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 a scripture from the New Testament. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8 so you know that it's a scriptural practice. When we come to church, we shouldn't forget our mind. Put it somewhere and lock it in the house. Then you come to you're not, you are not like a mumu. That's how people can feed you with garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. Oh, no, no, no. God wants his children properly educated in the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6 to 8. Are you there? Hallelujah. I'm going to read from New King James Version. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6 to verse 8. Hallelujah. What did he say? And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Why doing what? Lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's why when we worship, we lift up our hands. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Also Joshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to what? Understand the law. And the people stood in their place. Verse 8. So they, re they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to what? Understand the reading. It's not enough to read, but you must understand what you are reading. In our chemistry 101 class in university, that was in 1990. I entered university when again, sir? 1990 or so, yeah. 1991. We were in, in the chemistry class because if you do a course, you all do a general course together. One of them was chemistry. And the man answered a simple question that had to do with atom. And asked anybody to answer. One young fellow stood up. He said in 1880 something. Ah, we said 18 what? 80 something. He started telling the history. The lecturer just kept quiet. For 10 minutes, the man was speaking English. So when if you say have you finished? He not told everybody. You know he said, he said, this is what we call OP. What is OP? Out of point or off point. It's not enough to read. Read to understand. Say amen. It is until there is a, a, a desire to understand the scripture, then what the scripture is saying will make meaning to you. So you just be hearing pastor quote it, but there is no personal connection. Write this down. Your personal connection to scripture is through understanding. How it becomes personified and applied to your life is through what? Understand. Until you understand there's no personal bond between you and the word of God. Do you understand that? Until you understand there is no personal attachment with you. In fact, there is no personal agreement with you and the word. Can two work together except they be what? Agreed. If you do not understand the word, then you cannot agree with the word. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It is not enough to read. We must go beyond reading to seeking to understand what we are reading. To do this involves the following process. In order for us to understand, there are things we need to do to aid our understanding. If you notice in the verse we read in Nehemiah, the Levites and all the other leaders helped the people to understand the law. They helped them to understand. That's what we do as preachers. Our job and our calling through the teaching and preaching of God's word is to help you understand. But you have a role to play. Say, I have a role to play. What I'm about to show you, if they are working in your life, then that means you're making the right effort to understand scripture. But if you're not engaging this, that means you're not interested in understanding the Bible. Because there are many believers, due to ignorance, are not aware that they are not seeking to understand the word. They're looking for, their approach, they are married to method. They come to God to look for, family, for formula, not relationship. And, and let me tell you, Christianity is not a formula. Did you hear what I said? It's a relationship. 
If you are married to formula, you can never work with God well. Because if Christianity is a formula, then you don't need God. You can tell God, I know how it works, so I don't need you anymore. Am I making any sense here? All right, so Christianity is a relationship. All right. Now, what are those processes we must engage in our seeking to understand scripture? Write this, write this down. It will shock you. Number one, have a word note. <laughs> what did I say? And I will show you that it's in the Bible. Some of us are just stiff, stubborn. We like to do our own thing. But let's know what the scripture says so we can adjust appropriately. Have what? A word, you can call it a word note or a study pad. If you are using a software, it's very dicey. Make sure you are storing it in somewhere you can go and reference it. Preferably put it in the cloud. Because if you make it on your device, the day the device, Baku, Bafuka, what will happen? Everything is gone. My, I have word notes. If you see my diaries, I have close to over 10 diaries of from the very the diary I wrote messages, the first message I preached when this church started down down 20, 2002 the first message I preached, I still have the diary. All the message I preached that year, 2002 I still have the diary. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I have it. And all the other the one I preached and the one I learned, I still have them. Now I have, I, I use what I, most of electronic, I still have a uh, notebook where I write. But I have electronic copies and everything I have, they are not just stored in my device, they are stored in the cloud. So that any other device I have, I can easily download them. Because like I said, write this down, we study for living. We study for what? I didn't hear you. We study for what? To live. If your study life is weak, then your ability to represent God will be weak. Your, your persuasion in God will be weak. Your conviction will be weak. Your faith will be limping. And I don't want that. I want to be able to say that when I speak God's word, I speak with boldness and authority. Hallelujah. So the first thing that helps you seek to understand is what? A word note. The Greek calls it parchment. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. The Greek word for it is called parchment. That's from the word where you get the word patch or jotter. In the time of Paul, jotters were made from dry animal skin. That's where they wrote on, with ink. So Paul had, and, and in case you don't know, most of the scriptures were written in scrolls. Paul also had a jotter. And you will see something about Paul's life here. And I thank God for that because it's also basic all through the Bible. Second Corinthians 4, I mean 2 Timothy 4.13, are you there? If you're there, say amen. Can we read it together, everybody? What did he say? Bring the cloak that I left with Kapos at Charles when you come. And what? And the books, especially the parchments. The Greek word for parchment means jota. And we all know what a jota is. Is that not so? It's like a notebook. In the old time, and because of the technology knowledge they had, it was on animal skin. Did you notice the parchment is in plural terms? So you are not a smart Christian if you don't have a word note or a word pad. You're not smart. You can't be smarter than the Bible. The Bible says scripture cannot be broken. If the Bible prescribes something, it's because we need it. And you cannot try to prove to the Bible that you're smarter. I see people come to church and they don't write anything. Maybe they think they have a magnetic brain. But some of the fathers I follow in the faith, I've watched them. The ones I know personally, one-on-one. -on -one, and the ones I've met maybe once in a while and I've observed them from distance. Even up to Kenne Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Bill Winston, they all have word notes. Watch them, people preaching at church, they are writing. Oh, you know, right. Abiyo, right. I mean, let's talk. Even, uh, what's his name? Adebo, you're right. Pastor Wally Adebo, I said that I know one-on-one, -on -one, who is one of my fathers. He writes. Reverend Kola writes, because I know that one one-on-one. -on -one, because he was trained by Yeriko. He writes. Reverend uh, Simon Afalabi, he also writes. He has a word note. Bakare has a word note. Then who are you? What do you carry inside that your head? Some of us are so proud that our pride is so dangerous to us. And we don't know. How will you understand if you don't take note? It's like going for a lecture. Hello? Going for a lecture. Eh? 
The man will be, will, be, will be looking at the man like this. No matter how photographic your, your memory is, you still have need for manual. Is that not so? Some are gracious enough to give you handouts. Is that not so? But even in the handout, you still make note from the handout. True or false? What do you do when you make note from the handout? You are seeking to understand what you are given. Is that not so? And what does your notes do? They help you understand what you are studying. True or false? Is that not true? Yeah, that's why you make notes. Now, there are some lecturers who they want you to do your note. They won't give you handouts. They'll just give you textbook. I had some of them do my engineering course. They'll tell you, because most of what we did was mostly formulas. And they'll just tell you, make your notes. They'll tell you, make your note. This is the textbook. Go and get it. We didn't use internet like your generation now. Don't tell you can get it. So sometimes you travel to go and look for textbook, go to one library in another school, and you now have to make notes because you don't want to fail. Nobody wants to fail. Is there any normal person that wants to fail? Let me ask you, would you like to fail? Is there a normal person that would like to fail? Now, why do you think you will pass in Christianity if you don't study? That's why we're failing in the battles of life because we don't want to study. We're weak. When you say in the name of your, come on, then you must say, shut up and say, sorry. You will tell the devil, say, sorry. <laughs> say, I don't mean to shout for you before. Why are you talking like us? You don't know. Two guys were casting out the devil somewhere. And the demon said, see, see, see. They had been praying, praying for like one hour. Demon said, okay, come. Let me tell you people. You want to cast him out? They said, yes. Go to Bini and go and call at Bishop Idaosa. Then he was alive. He said, he's the only one that can cast him out. Can you imagine a demon telling a believer they should go and call at Bishop Idaosa to come and cast them out? That's to tell you where their level is. They don't know. And that's what happens. When you are, your study life is weak, Satan begins to give you instruction. You know what will happen to you? You will have a dream. Your dream, your dream will not become your Bible. The effect your dream has on you will be stronger than what scripture has on you. If you hear some people talk about their dream here, say I had this dream February, February 14th, 2020. It happened 3 a.m. in the morning. In fact, when I woke up, I remember I was wearing my black shirt, my, my white shirt. My watch was by the side of my mind. Rain was falling that time. Thunder just did. Bah, gada, gada, gada. Uh -uh. Only you. you. They remember it with detail. And I remember wanting to come. They, and I heard, boom! Outside, it was thunder. Well, when it comes to the world, they don't know. The word parchment means books or jota. In the days of Paul, it was made up of animal skin. Paul used it to record his study of the word. That is why any believer who does not have a word note or pad where he jots or writes what he hears is not interested in studying the word. In fact, in you are a bad hearer of the word. And you're wondering why certain things are not changing. Okay. Write this down. The second thing you need to do, if you need to understand, in addition to having a jotter, is hearing the preached word. Everybody say, hearing the preached word. Like I'm doing right now. Anybody who studies the word will never miss service. Hearing the preached word. Notice in Nehemiah chapter 8, from verse 6 to 8, where we read, the people were being taught by the Levites to understand the law that they read. If you want to grow in your understanding of the world and in your quest to study, you must always make yourself available for the hearing of the word. Like for instance, I was saying in the first service that God is emphasizing faith now in what we're doing. Some of you don't know anything about faith. If they tell you now, use your Bible and teach faith, can you do it? Say faith is believing the word of God. Faith is saying what God has said. You're making big, big statements that you cannot look scripture to support. Maybe you just heard one preacher make the comment in one Facebook video. Then you now take it and join it with another one again and put one on side and put one. You now make a monster of faith that even you yourself cannot scripturally understand. Say faith is doing big things for God. What does that mean? Faith is doing supernatural exploit. Faith is, is taking God at his word. Okay, can you show that in the scripture? Can you scripturally present that or you're just making a big statement that's why when you lack depth you always you like sounding people who like depth they like sounding very high 
They like making big, bogus spiritual statements. And it's not helping you. Because there's no connection between what you are saying and scriptures. The utterances from your life should be as a result of your study life. Where do you think I get all my statements? You think I copy them? When you, make me, when you hear me make statements and put them as statements on, on, on uh, Facebook or Instagram, you think I copy? I don't copy them. They are from my study life. Because if you copy, you will expose yourself very soon. That is why we shouldn't miss word services. Because they help to explain and deepen our understanding of the word. That's why some of us don't get anything in the message because we're not studying anything. We just show up as a religious show up and we're wondering what's the let's say I'm go chop my jollof rice. God has created this service to feed his children with the word so they can learn and grow in their understanding. Then the third thing you must do in your seeking to understand is regular listening to messages. It is also helpful to get messages along the line of our study. Primarily from the house, beginning with your church. Your first consultation for message is the church where God has planted you. Because that's the pasture. God has put you the fold. And the pastor has planted you to be fed primarily. Get recommendation from the leadership of your house. Don't be a rogue Christian. Rogue Christians don't do well. They are always candidate for rebellion. So you know, I have to do my thing. I remember the lady that used to come to our church. When we would declare fasting for church to do, she would not do. So one day, I got to know, I called her, I said, why are you not? He said, no, pastor, I'm doing my own thing. I said, what do you mean you're doing your own thing? I said, how can you do your own thing when we're all together in church? Of course, she didn't last. She learned later anyway. Don't be a rogue believer. God didn't create us to be rogue. Ships that go rogue, they are easy prey for wolves. Ships are designed to go in packs. Know your fold. Where God has planted you is your first reference for feeding. I want to ask you a question. Don't answer me. It's a rhetoric question. How often do you listen to the messages in the house? How often do you do that? We'll put them on several, but you can get it directly. You can get it on Facebook. You can even download it with some app from Facebook and get it as audio. How regular do you listen to the word in the house? Be careful who you listen to. Get references of who to listen to from the leadership in the house so you do not end up confusing yourself. You're not supposed to listen to everybody. You should know who you're listening to. Let the leadership and the spirit guide you. Also, another thing that helps you to understand again is reading books. Everybody say reading books. Reading books. Remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.13. He says, bring the cloak that I left with Kapos at Tras when you come. And the books, especially the parchment. Say with me, say, nobody is self-made. Come on, say that. Say, nobody is self-made. The message of the gospel we are preaching, the disciples were the first people to preach it. And over generations and decades, people have been preaching the gospel. And one of the tools of understanding that God has given to the believer is books. Books are not a replacement for scripture. They are supplement for aiding our understanding of scripture. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I said? It doesn't replace scripture. It just helps to explain scriptures. I want you to listen to it. Notice Paul also mentioned books in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Books help our understanding of the scriptures. There are things you will come across in your reading of the Bible that one day you pick a book on the same subject and you are reading it and it explains it. I say, oh, I see. Because remember what I said. Until you understand the scripture, there is no personal connection between you and the scripture. Until you understand the scripture, it is not licensed to manifest in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? As long as you just gloss over it and read it, and there's no understanding, there's no agreement between you and the word. It is the understanding of the word that is referred to as revelation. When you say you have revelation, it means you have understanding. Revelation doesn't mean something new. It means something that is there, but you didn't see it before. Now you see it. 
Hallelujah. For instance, if you want to study on kingdom finance, read books beginning from your leader's own. How many of you have read my book on kingdom finance? Financial video. Let me see your hand. See, just sprinkles. The rest of you, you've not read it. If you want to study on kingdom finance, read books beginning from your pastor's own and recommended references to help your understanding of the scripture. One day, one of the pastors of Oyedebo came to meet him and was, they were discussing. By the time he was not told the guy, say your language in the world is weak. He said, what, he said when did you, what book did you read last? He was looking at him. He said, you're not reading well. He said, your depth in scripture is very weak. He said, go and study. That's what he told him. We study for living. We don't study to impress people. We study to live. Do you understand that? Your, your victory depends on that. Because God's people are only destroyed when they lack knowledge. Look at it. There are those, see those books stand there? There are repository of knowledge. The answer to some of the things some of you are looking for, but it is there. But until you study and read, you won't find it. See, there's always a time in life, you always say, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. The truth is that you are not busy, you are distracted. We only make time for things we consider important. When it is important to you, it's because you have a job now. And they're paying you salary. That's why you're not taking kingdom finance serious. When the thing goes tough for you, and you look left, you look right, you look front, you look back, no job. Not because you don't have qualification, because there's nothing else. How do you survive? Kingdom finance. Those who do not read books are not willing to take their knowledge of the word deeper. You don't read books. I wrote a book, one of the most powerful books I wrote of all the books I've written is Graceful Advancement. I taught that message for one year. I shared certain practicals about faith and about the grace life that, will that I live on and I live by. And if I do not know, I won't be alive today. There's an evil day coming, but you need to brace up for that because it will come. The Bible says when you fight in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is what? Is small. And the reason your strength is small is because your feeding is weak. Hallelujah. Let me, I said hallelujah. Listen to this. God inspires people to write books as aids of understanding to the scripture. God inspires people to write books as aid. One of the gifts God has told me, he told me write some books because of what I want to do with it. Again, you are not to read every book. You must be led by the leadership in the church and the spirit on what to read. Paul was a reader of books. Books that hated his understanding of the scriptures. It is wise to always read books. Scripture says, follow them who through faith and patience inherited the promise. One of the ways the apostles inherited the promise is by reading books. If they read, you are not to read. You can't improve on scripture, you have to follow it. Is that not so? Am I making any sense? You can't improve on the word of God, you have to follow what the word of God instructs. So number one, preparation if you're going to develop a robust faith that will help you fight the fight of faith and also ascend the ladder of greatness in Christ, you must be a student of the word. You must study the word. Let me introduce the second one and I'll stop. Second preparation, write it down. Preparation of meditation on the word. The first preparation is preparation of the study of the word. The second preparation you must engage to empower your faith is meditation of the word. When we talk about meditation of the word, we're talking about how our mind interacts with the word. How our mind connects with scriptures. I'm going to make some introduction and I'll stop. Another important aspect of the faith life is meditation of the word. Meditation. Everybody say meditation. The word meditate means to ponder, to think, to mentally focus and dwell on the scripture until it opens up. 
That's what meditation. It is important that the believer understands that he cannot believe God's word without meditation. Did you hear what I said? If you're going to believe God's word, the indispensable place you will pass is meditation. Those who don't meditate the word, they struggle to believe God. Did you hear what I said? Because meditation is an active engagement of your mind. If you do not meditate on the word, there are certain enemies in your mind that will not want you to believe what God has said. So meditation is very foundational because it helps us to do what? Believe God's word. And if we don't meditate the word, we will struggle to believe God's word. It is only through meditation we can renew our mind so our spirit can believe the word. Until your mind is renewed, your spirit cannot receive revelation. It's important you get that. Also, get this down. I think I've mentioned this when we studied about mentalities, yielding to the Lord. Another important truth about meditation is that it is the only way. Everybody say the only way. When something is the only way, it means there's no other option. It is the only way to deal with the acquired belief system of disobedience that we got from Adam. I've told you this. That Satan did something to humanity's mind. Remember what happened to the children of Israel. It was not just the physical hardship of bondage for 430 years. The greatest damage that was done to them was that Egypt became their thinking. So even after they left Egypt, Egypt was still alive inside their mind. Are you hearing me? One of the ways you can damage a man is to influence the way he thinks. Once you control the way people think, you don't have to be there to control them. What they think will do the control for you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, he said, if our message of the gospel is hidden, it's hidden from those who are lost and who are lost. He said, those in whom the God of this world has what? Blinded their mind. Tell your neighbor, say, we all have a measure of that blindness. Say that. What is the blindness? They are acquired mentalities. And I've told you what mentalities is. Mentalities are a patterned way of reasoning. There are three levels of mentalities we have acquired through Adam's transgression. And I've said this, you know it, you must never forget it. That's why we should never play with meditation. Because if you do not meditate the world, you are submitting to those acquired reasonings that humanity acquired from Satan. We said the first mentality we acquired is from what? Our former nature. Before we got born again, we had a nature of disobedience and rebellion against God. Satan trained our soul to be disobedient and rebellious against God. That's why after you got born again, it doesn't just come natural for you to do the things of God because your mind has been trained in rebellion. That's why it doesn't come natural to pray. That's why it doesn't come natural to come to church. That's why it doesn't come natural to read the word. Why? Because there are mentalities that are there that has been trained to resist the ways and the knowledge of God. And you must be aware of this. That's what Paul said in Romans 12, uh, 12 verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. What conforms people to this world? Everybody say acquired mentalities. It's not the clothes they wear. It's got nothing to do with clothes. Paul was not talking about fashion. Conformance to this world is through mindset. That's how it is. Conformance to this world. You control men through their mind. Let me say this, and I want, to, I want you to get this. Conformity to this world is through the mentalities that has been given to humanity, seeded as a seed of rebellion and disobedience to the ways of God. So we have acquired mentalities from our former nature through Satan, sin, and its consequence. The second level that we acquire mentality from is through what? Our nurture. Everybody say our nurture. There are some attitudes some of us have because of our education. Formal and informal education. Informal education is the one you acquired while you were growing under your parents. And your exposure. But formal education is the one you got through school. There are things you now know in school that has given some of us attitude. Some of this confidence we claim we have is educational confidence. I'm sure of myself. It's education. It has framed us 
with a, an identity complex that has nothing to do with God. That's called nurture through education. And the third ways we acquire mentality is through experiences. And we said experiences that come through exposure to people and events. As you grow through life, you will deal with people. Some of you may remember the first time somebody betrayed you. Remember the first time somebody lied on you. Remember the first time somebody did something bad to you. It's called human experience. Those experiences have a way of conditioning the way people think. If you don't have exposure to truth, they can bias you wrongly. Maybe take, for instance, you grew up and, and, and you were always having broken relationships. People are always taking advantage of you and using you. You go through those relationships to a point that they have a way of conditioning your mind against men and against relationships. That's why some people don't marry. Because they've had a series of chronicles of bad experiences of men. And so some of them may be even be deceived to say, I know men. You don't know men. Don't say you know men. You only know the one that has dealt with you. You are, you are not certified to make a categorical statement on man. Nobody has that certification. Only God. All the men you think you know, you see the problem with a conditional mentality, when you start meeting men, you not try to fit them in the way you think. You want to make them into the same victim that Kool-Aid did to you. Sorry, I hope there's no Kool-Aid, George. You want, to make, you, want to, you want to conform them to the way your mind has been conformed. See, that's how my father used to shout on my mother. Am I your father? See, that's how the old men, they shout. Who told you all men shout? Don't you shout. So you need to be careful. There are conditionings that we have received through exposure to people and events. Like, for instance, the, all, all the, if I, I won't say up and down. Is it up and down or up, up? Fair price is only going up, have you? It's only up, up, not up and down with the, it will do as it's coming and it will jump. Then that Danny came, it will overcome it and add to it. Those kind of exposure, if you're not careful, they can condition your mind. They can condition your mind to a point that will condition the way you give. Did you hear what I said? It will condition the way you serve God. Say things are hard now. So, Father, you understand. This the way I'm giving you this offering. I can't give you again. If not, I will starve. I can't train my children again. Lord, you understand. It's a conditioning. And we deal with that. Some of you come from an abusive home where everything you know is abuse. And it has conditioned you. Now you are going into the world and the conditioning is still regulating the way you are thinking. There are some people, events that happened 20 years is still alive and well in their mind even now. Telling you, can, can, can I shock you? Show you one. Everybody, look at me. Look at me. There is one conditioning we all have. It's called the conditioning of distraction. Some of us have been programmed for distraction. Even when we want to do something, have, have you tried talking to somebody? As you are discussing with the person, in the midst of the discussion, the person will change the gist. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In the midst of the, you are, disc, you are, you are sharing something, you, know, you are just, then you say, hey, you went to for that place for. Uh, just then, then in your mind you're like ah, I thought we were talking these people they go into marriage and it's the same thing their wife is talking to them <laughs> when did they play this program for even again what has the program got to do with what I'm telling you it's a conditioning for distraction it's a poison what it does is that it makes us bad listeners because we're selfish we don't listen you're sharing the word with somebody and he's telling you what's going on in Nigeria what has what is going on in Nigeria got to do with the world? It's called conditioning. We must be aware. That's why meditation must not be played. Because all this programming, they are designed to resist your destiny. For instance, now, I watch some of you and I laugh. I don't talk. Because I know it's going to be a battle for some of you. We are saying one hour prayer after church. Some of you will go away as if you didn't know. Begging you to come and pray. Why should they beg you to pray? Are you doing God a favor to pray? No, it's your life. But you don't understand that the thing that is making you resist it is the conditioning. The excuse you are giving is not an excuse. It's not. It's the conditioning that is working. You will always find, how many of you know, it will make you find something to say. Even when there is nothing to say. It will wrap your priorities up and will look for something to say. Please hear me. When Paul says, be not conformed to this world, there are mindsets that does that. 
and we must be aware. And those mindsets can only be taken out through the renewing of the mind. Listen to me. This belief system and mentalities or pattern way of reasoning in our mind that prevents us from yielding to God and his goodness until they are confronted, dethroned, demolished, and removed with the knowledge of the truth, they will continue to detect how we think and function in life. They will say, you are married, it will monitor and supervise your behavior with your husband. When you say somebody is disrespectful, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. Have you ever wondered, let me stop with these questions and we'll pray. Have you ever wondered, let me ask you a question and I want everybody to answer me. Is God good? Are you sure? I want to ask the question because I didn't hear everybody. Is God good? I thought I was going to hear a scream. That means for some of you, God is not good. But for those of you that believe God is good, is God good? Yeah. I, I didn't hear you. Is God good? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure God is good? Yeah. I, I, are you sure that you are sure that God is good? Yeah. I'm asking you for a reason. Have you ever wondered why, why despite the fact that God is good, why is everybody not yielding to God? Why is everybody not born again? If God is good. We believe God is good, don't we? Answer me now. Do you believe? Or you have changed your mind? Do you believe God is a good God? And what does good, good means? That means something that promotes your well-being. True or false? Something that is beneficial to you. True or false? Answer me now. Is it not? That's what good. Good means beneficial, helpful. Is that not so? If it's good, why is it that not everybody believes in a God that is good? Because Jesus is good news. Gospel means what? Good news. Why is it that everybody doesn't believe in gospel? Paul said it. Our message is hid because the devil has what? Blinded the minds of the people. With what? With lying mentalities. Let me ask another question. Why would anybody reject light and darkness? Which one is better? Are you sure? So, should anybody reject light? But why is it that men, some men, seem to love darkness rather than light? We live in a generation that calls good evil, evil good. Is that not true? What do you think is responsible for that? Let me ask you a question. Is prayer helpful? Answer Is prayer helpful? Is prayer helpful to your faith and your work with God? Is it very important? Did Jesus pray? Did the disciples pray? Are you sure? So why are you struggling to pray? Why are you struggling to pray? Why? If it's good, why am I struggling to do something that helps me? Why am I struggling to do something that promotes my progress and adds value to me? Why do I seem to be fighting what God has given to me for my well-being? We all know how powerful and helpful prayer is, yet not everybody wants to pray. We all know going for fellowship is instrumental to our Christian growth and development in Christ. And yet many still struggle to attend church. If some people, if they don't want you to know why they didn't come to church, their phone will ring and ring and ring and ring and they will not pick. When you ask them, did you see my call? I was not with my phone. What they mean that they were not with their phone is that they were not holding it in their hand even though they were in the room and they saw your call on it. There's a way they invent the language. They now start using statements that are very corny and crafty. You know what is procedurally that? Mentalities. Conditioning. I say this as a random. Why? Acquired belief system in the mind known as mentalities or trained or pattern reasoning that are rebellious and disobedient to Christ and what he has done. Satan made sure he, made, he left that damage in the soul of man after the fall of Adam. That was when God said this in Genesis 11. The Bible says at a point God regretted that he had made man because every imagination of his heart was only wickedness continually. Rise up on your feet.
Glory to God. We're going to take meditation far and next service and look at other preparations. Praise God. Hallelujah. Open your mind and begin to talk to you quickly. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the word of life. Thank you for speaking to us. Oh, praise God from whom our blessing flows. Thank you. Father, thank you for the word of life. We pray that word will take root in our hearts and begin to bear fruit in our life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Are you here? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lift up your offering to God. Can I say this? All limitations are primarily mind-wise. How you think? That's all. Anything that cannot limit your mind can limit you. When the Bible said they limited God, not that they limited God for who he is, they limited how they thought about God. What cannot limit your mind can limit you. And what can limit your mind can limit you. Let the truth of God's word open your mind today. I believe you've learned something that will be helpful to your faith. Father, thank you for another opportunity to give our offering to you. We recognize you as our source. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehousechurchhc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.